Well, good morning, everyone. Good to be back with you after a, a long sojourn in that southern state. Uh, we live in a vast, wonderful country, don't we? And uh, we've seen so much of it. We've been out to Burke and to Broken Hill, down to Mildura. We've been through the Snowy Mountains, beautiful Jindabyne, uh, down to the coast at Eden and then up the south coast of New South Wales. And what a vast and beautiful country we, we have. Um, I sense a new meaning to that song, I've Been Everywhere Man. But don't ask me to sing it. <laughs> I couldn't get all those names out the way that uh, singer can. So we come to a new series this morning uh, and the book of Jeremiah. What a wonderful prophet of the Old Testament. And uh, over the next uh, six weeks, we're going to be delving into his prophecies, prophecies that I think are very relevant to our own situation here in Australia, uh, despite the fact that he lived in a very different time and place. But Jeremiah had really one of the toughest gigs uh, of any of the prophets because he lived at a time of national turmoil. He lived at a time when uh, there were superpowers of Assyria and Egypt who were both vying for control over Judah. Uh, Babylon was also on the ascendancy and uh, there was a lot of pol politicking going on. And Jeremiah had to tell the people that the pending invasion and exile was God's punishment for their sin and that they needed to repent, repent and turn back to God. Being, prophet, being a prophet is never an easy job, but it was especially difficult for Jeremiah as he involved himself at this high level of politics, speaking to uh, kings and leaders. I imagine a career expo. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those where all the educational institutions set out their wares. And so you go to the stalls offering careers in the trades or in hospitality or in business, in law, or in engineering, in medicine, whatever you want to choose. And I can imagine long queues of keen, young, ambitious people who uh, are lining up trying to decide what will be the most fulfilling and probably the most lucrative career choice for them. And then in the corner there's this tine, tiny, unassuming stall and it simply has the title Prophet. Prophet. And the poster says, are you ready for a challenge? <laughs> Start with the good one. But then it says, are you ready to be unpopular, to lose all your family and friendship connections? Are you ready to speak the truth boldly and face the repercussions? Are you ready for violence and persecution? Become a prophet today. And there's only one person standing at that stall, and his name's Jeremiah, lining up for a very difficult career. This will be a lonely life, a life of suffering. In the world's eyes, a wasted life. But in God's eyes, a precious life well lived in obedience to God. If you have your Bible handy, uh, you might like to open to the book of Jeremiah. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 751. In these first three verses of the chapter, Jeremiah is clearly identified as a historical figure. He lived during the reigns of Josiah, Jehoiakim and Zedekiah, kings of Judah, the southern kingdom. 
He lived in Anathoth and his father, Hilkiah, was a priest. And so right from the beginning here, we see that God works in history. God intervenes in history. He is concerned with people's real behaviour in real time, with people's decisions and choices. He's interested in their political decisions. He's interested in their religious decisions. And especially the decisions of the leaders of the nation. But also the people and what they're saying and what they're doing, their practices. Jeremiah will bring a word from God in all of these areas. And it'll be a difficult word that'll cause him much grief. And so in verses 4 and 5 there, we find the call for Jeremiah. Uh, God says to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah has been giving a new center for his life, a new focus. And of course, that focus is God. It is God who formed Jeremiah in the womb. It is God who knew Jeremiah before he was born and set him apart. It is God who appointed him as a prophet to the nations. And so Jeremiah is not going to be a prophet because he thinks it's a great career choice. He hasn't looked around at all the careers in his day and said, well, you know, I think I could fulfill that one. I'm a fairly good communicator. I have enough knowledge of the covenant law. I've got pretty good political judgment. I'll be a prophet. No, he doesn't. He doesn't reason that way. Jeremiah is going to become a prophet purely and simply because of God's call. And it's beautifully expressed here, so simple and so profound in these verses, where God says to him, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were born, think about that for yourself. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There's a theme of predestination going on here. God has Jeremiah's path mapped out for him even before he was born, even before he could say, Mummy or Daddy. God had it all in place. The purpose of predestination is not to confuse us or tie us up in intellectual knots. It's actually to give us comfort. And I would suggest this clear call of Jeremiah and God's overall purpose for his life will be his comfort through all the troubles and the difficulties and the strife that he will face. When the going really gets tough, it's these words which reassure him God is with him. Nothing's going to happen to him that God doesn't already know about. And although Jeremiah doesn't know his future, he knows the God who knows the future. And that will be enough. Uh, The sovereign Lord is with him. Verses 5 and 10 identify Jeremiah as a prophet to the nations. He will address powerful men and claim to have God's message for them. And I think verse 10 explains this well. Uh, Verse 10 says, See, today I appoint you over the nations, uh, over the nations and kingdoms, to uproot and tear down to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. There are six verbs here. Four verbs of demolition, uproot, tear down, destroy, 
overthrow. There are two verbs of renewal, to build, to plant. What's going on here is Jeremiah will be reminding the nations that it is only God who gives them their power and they are accountable to him. Their economic strength and military power is not just their own doing, but it could only happen if God allowed it to happen. And the nations need to recognise the sovereignty of God and exercise their power with his justice and mercy. And so Jeremiah has to speak to these great and mighty empires and remind them that God is on his throne and that they're accountable to him. With such a great task, no wonder in verse 6 he says, Ah, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. Not an uncommon reaction when a person hears the call of God. Can't help but think of Moses. He said the same thing, didn't he? I'm a stumbler, bumbler, I can't talk. Don't call me, call someone else. Uh, In Jeremiah's case, probably had more justification than any of the prophets because he had to speak to these great kings uh, who were in power. Uh, Imagine a 16-year-old today going to the leaders of the nations and saying, I've got a word from God for you. Can you imagine that, knocking on the Prime Minister's office and saying, "Um, I'm here and I've got a word from God? I don't think you get past the information desk somehow. Um, But that was Jeremiah's job. That was his career. That was what God is calling him to do. And so he has every reason to be hesitant. But what is God's answer? Well, verses 7 to 9. The Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And then verse 9 as well. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. God will give Jeremiah the words. God will put his words in Jeremiah's mouth. He will rescue Jeremiah every time he runs into trouble. And so he doesn't need to be afraid. We then get two very powerful images uh, here, which uh, I think God wants to reinforce the importance of the message to Jeremiah through these images. The first one is the creative promise of the almond tree in verse 11. What's the meaning of this almond tree? Well, the almond tree was the first tree to bud in spring. When the Israelites saw these buds, they knew that spring was coming. And so Jeremiah, you see, is assigned to the people of Judah that God is watching over him to see that the word he speaks from God will be fulfilled. The promise of the word will be fulfilled. Every spring when Jeremiah sees this almond tree in bud, It will remind him and encourage him that God will fulfill his word through his prophet, through Jeremiah. What an encouragement. Uh, It so happens that Anathoth, Jeremiah's hometown, was a centre for growing almonds. And so this would have been a very powerful and relevant image for Jeremiah as he goes on through the years and sees those buds every spring and know that God's promise was sure and a sign of uh, his goodness coming. But the second image here is of a boiling pot and it's tilting towards Judah from the north, verses 13 to 15. This is a more ominous image. The nation had been invaded many times from the north. 
This was the location of Assyria and eventually will be the territory of the Babylonians who will indeed invade in 587 BC. And verse 15 makes it clear that this image is about an invasion that is coming. Verse 16 gives the reason for this disaster. It will be a judgment of God upon his people for idolatry. And there'll be a lot more that we're going to say about that in the coming weeks as we look at the detail of their idolatry as we get into the book. But here simply to note that these historical events are all under the hand of our sovereign God, all under his control. And there's a theological reason, a God reason uh, for what is about to happen. And then we come to the the final paragraph, uh, verses 17 to 19. A rallying cry for Jeremiah to steel himself for the momentous task which lies ahead. The leadership of Judah, sorry, the leaders of Judah and these other nations might be powerful and intransient, but God promises to make Jeremiah a fortified city, an iron pillar, a bronze wall to stand against them. They will not prevail. And the Lord will indeed come to rescue Jeremiah. So that's Jeremiah's call. What about our call? What can we learn from Jeremiah for our call? The first thing to say is that his call was unique. Let's recognise that. He was a prophet in Judah in the 7th century. Very different time and place to Australia in the 21st century. Firstly, Judah was a theocracy. That meant they were God's chosen people, called to have a special relationship with God and with a special role to be a means through which God would speak to all nations, all peoples, all the world. And this is the nation through whom God then raises up prophets to speak his word directly to his people and through his people to the rest of the world. And Jeremiah is one of those prophets. And so he has a unique place in God's salvation history in the Old Testament. Australia is not a theocracy. We're not the chosen people. Uh, God's not continuing to write scripture through us as a nation. So there's no more direct revelation or people called to exercise a role such as Jeremiah's. But having said that, God does raise up people to be leaders In the nations. And he calls them to belong to himself and gives them special role to change the course of history. And we need to pray for those leaders uh, that when they declare Jesus as Lord and they're in that position of influence and power, that they will know God's will and be have the courage to do it. And if you're one of those people, maybe, maybe you do have a position of incredible authority in our our society, Um, our prayers are with you for the courage and the strength uh, to be God's spokesperson where he has placed you. But for most of us, I would imagine our influence is not at that level. All of us will change history one way or another, but probably not in gigantic ways. Uh, We will all have some impact Uh, What is the general call on all Christians? Well, it's spelt out in the New Testament in many ways. However, I want to focus today on Jesus' call for us to be witnesses. Think of the call of those first disciples. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, the fishermen, Simon and Andrew. 
Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. Isn't it interesting? God couples the call to follow him with the command to fish for people. They go together, hand in glove. This is at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but we see the same reinforced at the end with the Great Commission, the end of Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all nations. The call to follow Jesus is the call to make him known to all nations, to invite others to come and follow as well, to also be disciples. We have a vision statement in our Vision 26, and it says, living to love and proclaim Jesus. The proclaiming is about heeding Jesus' words to Andrew and Simon, to fish for people. It's about taking the Great Commission seriously, making disciples. The only question is, of course, how do we do it? Especially when we live in a a culture where increasingly being a Christian is seen as an oddity. Well, one of the key strategies we have in Vision 26 is Alpha. And we're planning to start our first course in October. Alpha can run for eight weeks or ten weeks, but for this first occasion we're going to run for eight weeks. When you invite people to Alpha, you're not inviting them, however, to come to a commitment for eight weeks. You're inviting them to come to an introductory session which will explain what Alpha is all about and what it offers them. And hopefully they have such a fantastic time at that opening session that they say, yeah, I want to come back and I want to complete the course. Our experience in the past is that 75 to 80% of people do decide to go on and uh, do Alpha. But it's simply about invitation, an invitation to this introductory session to come and see. Everyone has questions about the meaning of life. But... Where do people get an opportunity to talk about those questions in their everyday lives, in what our society generally offers? Where do you get an opportunity? If, uh, if we really uh, care about people and we're connected with them, uh, we're offering them an opportunity to explore those questions that are all in everybody's mind, uh, to give them a safe space where they can come and uh, explore those questions. Uh, Of course, it will be in a Christian framework, but uh, whatever their questions, no question or comment is too silly or out of court. All views are respected, uh, and they can come and have that conversation. So it's about inviting, inviting. Secondly, it's about prayer. It's God who opens people's hearts, softens people's hearts, makes them uh, ready to hear his word. It's not about us forcing the issue. It's about us joining in with God with what he's doing in someone else's life. And I've seen so many alpha small groups where uh, you just sit there and you, you, you see what's happening in someone else's life it's, it's, and it's God doing the work. And you're just there witnessing going, wow, isn't that amazing? It's prayer that opens hearts and conversations and for people to seek God. We have a special method of praying uh, in Alpha. Um, this is, doesn't come from Alpha, you know, national or over in England. But uh, to help us with our prayer, uh, we have what we call an Alpha tree. Now you might have noticed there's um, 
a new ornament out here at the, at the front. Um, that's our alpha tree, and um, that is going to help us with our prayer and our inviting. Linda's going to tell you all about it a little later, so don't go away. Um, but Alpha is a, is, is, a, is a way that we can indeed be faithful in this call of Jesus for us to uh, be fishers of people. Jeremiah, though. Jeremiah will be so helpful for us as we prepare for Alpha. While his situation was unique, there are parallels here for us in Australia. You see, the people of his day had turned their backs on God. They were infatuated with their idols. Does that sound familiar? Uh, Jeremiah will help us as we seek to reach our nation. The call of Jeremiah was a call to the leaders of Judah to turn back to God. It was a call to the people of Judah to repent and seek the new heart that God promises. Our call is to follow Jesus and pray for others to become followers as well. We may feel just as inadequate as Jeremiah in that call. Uh, Just as inadequate, but it is God who provides. It is God who brings people to himself. We simply have to join in. You know, I love these call passages. Don't you love the call passages in the Bible? Jeremiah called to serve God. We're called to follow Jesus. I pray that we'll be just as faithful as Jeremiah was. To God's glory. Amen.